Well, good morning, church family. Well, glad you joined us for worship this morning, and we've already had a, a, a wonderful time of worshiping and remembering our everlasting God, our God who is great each and every day. Uh, and before we do begin uh, taking a look into the Word together as we jump into Matthew chapter 7, as we continue on in the Sermon on the Mount, let's just uh, bow for a word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for uh, this beautiful day. And it is a privilege as well as a responsibility as we find ourselves facing a new day, that we have the opportunity to honor you through what we say and what we do. And Lord, I ask that uh, you would help us to, to guard that through your Holy Spirit, that everything that we engage in today would bring honor and glory to you, uh, because our worship of you is not separate from our individual lives. Instead, uh, you have saved us and given us a hope and a peace as well as the ability to tap into you who are infinite in wisdom and understanding and knowledge so that we may just walk and be an example of who you are to the world around us. And Lord, as we have already sung, Lord, we we thank you that you are the everlasting God, that you have no beginning, no end of days, that you will not tire out, that you will not wear out. Uh, you will never cease to be. And that is a great comfort to each and every one of us. Lord, as we open up your word, which is also eternal, uh, may you teach us and guide us in all truth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, as we continue on in our study of the Sermon on the Mount. And before we jump into these first six verses of chapter seven, which will take us three weeks to get through. I need you to uh, approach this with an open mind to uh, hear what the word of God has to teach in relation to a subject that gets oftentimes misused, misquoted, and is there for anyone's use uh, to justify their actions when someone else uh, may be coming and talking to them and caring enough for them to help them to see that they, they need to change something about them or something that they do. And as we uh, take a look at this, I'd like to go ahead and just read chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, just so that we can get a full picture of what we're going to be diving into, what we're going to be feasting on in these next uh, three weeks together. Uh, it says, Judge not that you n- uh, be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eyes, but or in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, "Let me take the speck out of your eye," when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Lots of heaviness. But you know, as we think about this, this is the Son of God that is bringing this forth. And he did not misspeak. He did not just speak to fill the air like the religious leaders. He spoke truth and truth that the people of his day needed to hear, what the religious leaders needed to hear, and what we as believers in 2020 need to hear. 
because these principles, these truths are coming from a source that is righteous and just and holy. Uh, and therefore, as we take and, and actually look at this within its context uh, of what Jesus is trying to put forth, um, it will change how you engage, whether it's someone that is a believer or an unbeliever, whether it is someone in your family, whether it's, it's your boss at work, whatever the case might be, you're going to find that as we finish uh, this uh, study together over these next three weeks, that it's going to cause you to stop for a moment and to think and to assess and to discern where you are before you uh, pronounce a judgment on someone else. Do you know that verse 1 is, the, is one of the most quoted verses by unbelievers? It's amazing of all the verses in the Bible, this is one that a lot of unbelievers can quote right off. And they have no idea what the context is, what the, the stage is in relation to it, the audience that it was, it was given to, uh, but are very quick to take it out of context and use it for their own purposes to make sure that no one can take and make an assessment to make a judgment of any sort upon their lives. Another verse that is often quoted is uh, John chapter 8, verse 7. Where it says, uh, and they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Uh, and of course, we know the context of that. Uh, and Jesus was pointing out again uh, the importance of determining what is a, a good judgment as opposed to a bad judgment. Uh, but both of these verses are uh, quoted without taking into consideration their context. Uh, and as you know, and as we are students of the Word of God, uh, context is, is of utmost importance because we can look at even the Christian world and see how world religions have been based, even Christian churches that have based entire belief systems off of just a few verses out of the Bible to justify actions and things that they believe and they do. Uh, and the thing is, is we have to allow the Word of God uh, to be our guide. We have to let the context tell us what we need to know, not only immediately the verses that surround those verses, um, but also the scripture as a whole. Uh, and that's something that as we study the word of God, we need to make sure that we always do that uh, and not just take verses out of their context because they appeal to maybe what we would desire to do or desire to use for our benefit. But in both of these instances, in John chapter 8 as well as Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is speaking of hypocritical, self-righteous judging, which was characteristic of the religious leaders of Jesus' day. As you know, the whole Sermon on the Mount has been addressing the false teaching that was taking place, uh, where those that were, were supposed to guard the truth, the truth of the word of God to teach the people, had instead uh, surrounded it by a, a whole system of their own laws, their own desires, and made it something that it was not. And Paul, actually, in Romans chapter 1, and I'd like you to keep your fingers here in, in, in Matthew 7 and actually turn over to Romans chapter 1, because there's another passage here that uh, speaks to uh, this and gives us context for making sure that we dr judge rightly uh, when we are engaging one another. Romans chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 32, uh, and it'll go through chapter 2, verse 5. 
It says, though they know God's decree and those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Now, this is the end of verse, um, or chapter 1 here in verse 32, and, and Paul had just got done listing a whole bunch of things that, as the people uh, in a desire to fulfill their own selfish desires, did not see fit to acknowledge God, and so therefore God gave them up to their debased minds uh, to do all kinds of things that should not be done. Uh, and we're not going to take the time out to look over those, but you can see that as the context. And this is what this is following, that even though they knew God's decree, even though they knew God's law uh, and what it said, they chose to practice things that uh, are worthy of death. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1 goes on to say, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So here, Paul, as he's you know uh, pointing out some things here, uh, is saying that you know these people were pointing out and judging situations when they themselves were in hearty approval of the very things that they were judging others not to do. Uh, so they were being hypocritical in their assessment. You know, uh, it's it's good for you, but not good for me. Uh, you know, and, and as a, a pastor, a lot of times, you know, we hear the things, you know, practice what you preach. Um, so that, you know, as I communicate the word of God, I'm not being hypocritical. Uh, and here Paul is is pointing this same truth out. Uh and and making it very clear that that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who do such things. So no one is going to escape God's judgment when it comes to misjudging a situation or taking and uh, pointing out the speck in someone else's eyes. We'll take a look at here in the next couple of weeks when you have a, a log in your own eye. Uh, and that picture there being is that you yourself are taking that particular thing and you're enjoying uh, taking part in it and at the same time telling someone else they shouldn't do it. Uh, and that's what Jesus is pointing out because uh, he wants to make sure that the people do not do exactly what the religious leaders were doing as they were pointing out in a very hypocritical way, in a very self-righteous way, to point out other people's transgressions and sins when they themselves were transgressing and sinning before God. Now, one thing, I don't know if you've experienced that this or not, uh, but one thing that Christians are often accused of is being judgmental. And these accusations are often in response to Christians who speak out against particular lifestyles or behaviors. You know, as we take a look at the Word of God and, and uh, we, we see what these lifestyles and behaviors can do to tear uh, people apart, 
Uh, and sometimes people do it rightly and do it out of love for the, the hope of that individual seeing the truth and changing. But there are others that if you're not careful, you, know, you can end up being judgmental in such a way that you are not looking at yourself first to make sure that you are in a situation to be worthy of pointing out something in someone else's life. Because you're not really doing it out of love at that point. You're doing it just to have, a, as it were, a one-up on someone or to, to exercise authority uh, in, in putting someone else down. Uh, and this is also what Jesus is, is speaking to here. And oftentimes when uh, Christians are labeled that way, they don't take into consideration that when it's done in love of the authority that it comes from. Uh, because I don't go around as a pastor and point out everyone's sin. Because, you know what, I have uh, enough of my own to take care of. Uh, if anything, my self-assessment and, and me as a pastor is making sure that I'm keeping every thought captive, that what I say matches up with uh, the Word of God, that how I act uh, towards others, no matter if it's my family or people that I engage with, uh, that I show uh, testimony to the fact that I belong to God. I, and know this, it's not easy. I don't have to tell you that. But you know, when you are communicating, as we, I have been for the last month with Comcast Business to try and establish a live stream feed into the church building and can't get anybody to return my phone calls, it is really hard. When you call and you can't seem to talk to anybody that knows anything, yet I've got a contract that uh, I maintain the, the testimony uh, that I should. Uh, and this is to say that I've had to ask God to forgive me for my attitude, uh, as well as guard me from saying things that I know I'm going to regret because they're done out of anger as opposed to out of love. See, the truth remains that when there is no authority or no standard, mankind will act and react as they deem appropriate or beneficial. Uh, we can see that fulfilled even in our world today. Uh, and it is a fulfillment of what it says in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And see, that's what happens when there is no law, no authority, no one that people think they have to give an account to. You know, uh, let's disarm police officers, you know, uh, so that there's no law, because if there's no law, then there's nothing that's wrong. There's no one to keep accountable to. Uh, and mankind has done that in relation to God since the very beginning. And that's why God has given them over to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. But do not be fooled. Just because God has given them over does not mean that God is not going to judge. Uh, and we'll find that out here in just a few moments, that he is the righteous judge and he will hold everyone without exception, accountable. So Jesus, after speaking in the Sermon on the Mount about giving, about praying, about fasting, about treasures, about anxiety, he is changing his focus here once again in this sermon uh, to speak to how we act and how we think toward one another. Uh, and so with that as our, our backdrop, uh, as we step into uh, just verse 1 of Matthew chapter 7, let's take a look at judging and the judge. Verse 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. 
Now, looking at the context of this verse uh, and the scripture as a whole, there's a few things that we can ascertain before we begin to unpack this. One is that Jesus is speaking out against hypocritical and self-righteous judging of people. And we've already established that, uh, and this is not the, the first instance where Jesus is speaking out against it because he wants the people to know the truth. Because that truth will in turn set the people free to be able to worship God as they should. Second, Jesus is speaking out against people who do what only God should do in relation to passing judgment on other people. See, the thing is, is when we have a log in our eye, we have no right, no authority to be pointing out the speck in someone else's eye. But even the religious leaders, as they were engaging the people and as they looked down in their their self-righteous hypocrisy, to say that, well, we've got everything right, we do everything right because we are the Pharisees and you should fear us and respect us, that they began the moment they added to the law of God to become God. Because what they're saying is that God's law is not enough. And therefore, we're going to surround it with other things that we deem worthy and the thing is, is if that's subjective to the individual, if it's subjective to an upbringing or a, a dogma or a doctrine, then guess what? It's going to be all over the place. And that's why we have to always go back to the trusted source. We always have to go back to God who does not change, who is that standard of righteousness that his law is eternal. It does not change. Man cannot change it. He cannot add to it because he is not God. There's only one God, and it is his law, and he is the judge. Jesus also, as we take a look at this, is not commanding us to never judge a situation or an individual. Because the thing is, is that, you know, we, we can look at other uh, scriptures, which we won't take the time to this morning. But, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another. As uh, my experience is is shared with you and what God is teaching me in the word of God uh, in my my personal devotions, as, is the, as well as the time that I spend studying the word of God to prepare for preaching a sermon to you. I have others that send me things throughout the week that are scriptures, things that God has taught them. Uh, and they they actually bless me as well because it's speaking in reference to the word of God, and I can see God changing them as he's changing me as well. Uh, and so the thing is, is we're, we're never commanded to not judge a situation. The problem is, is how we come to those situations and whether or not we are prepared to assess the situation and to discern what should be discerned out of it. Because we can come at it from love, or we can come out out of anger. We can come out out of hate. And everything that was mentioned there in Romans chapter 1 in relation to how we judge other people, we may not like them just because of their skin color. And we're seeing that lived out in our in our country even today. Or their political views. And so we have to be very careful as we engage the world in which we live Because we're never commanded to not judge. But there is a way that we go about it, and there is a heart attitude that has to go with it. Jesus is also not commanding us to never form an opinion on the conduct of others. Any parent in here realizes that you have to form an opinion 
in relation to what is acceptable and not in relation to raising your children. And you can look at the world and you, your, your, your children, your teenagers will remind you, well, look at what they do. Yeah, well, you're not them. See, the thing is, is that this, as we take a look at judging and discerning what is right and how we should live and, and, and examining ourselves, it is something that we're commanded to do. And so we have to form opinions. We have to take a look at the Word of God and say, okay, so how does this apply to the world at large? How does this apply to me as I go into work each and every day? How does this apply to me as I, I, I try to love my wife as Christ loved the church? How does this apply to me as I engage my children in a culture that is completely anti-God and somehow feed into their minds and into their, their actions things that I know are going to be for their benefit because their source is God? See, those are all things that we have to grapple with. And finally, Jesus is not commanding us to accept the proverbial lock, stock, and barrel of every person's thoughts and actions as well as every situation and surroundings. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. I hope you did. Because that's not what Jesus is commanding here. And this is utilized by many that say, well, you know what? Truth is my truth. Truth is subjective to my experience. And therefore, I can act and do however I want. Well, that would be fine if you're an autonomous being and that you, that whatever you do does not matter. Well, the truth is, is you're not an autonomous being and it does matter what you do because what you do has ramifications. It has outcomes, some of them positive, some of them negative. Things that should not be done and things that should be done. Uh, and so uh, we're not just to be you know, accepting everything around us and just say, that's just the way the world is. That's just the way that person is. Because that is the farthest thing from the truth. Because God commands us to be salt and light in the world. So how do I know what salt and light is unless I'm feeding myself with the word of God? So that I know as I live the Christian life, as I'm obedient to the Lord, what else out there is fake what else out there is detrimental? Because the thing is, is that when you're a slave to sin, everything that you do is okay. Yes, you can argue that, you know, well, the, you know, taking a life is, you know, well, they, again, that's because the word of God, the law of God is written on the hearts of all men. They just suppress that truth from time to time. But the truth is, is that as we engage the world in which we live, we do need to judge situations. We need to judge relationships. Is this a good relationship for me to have? Are these good teenagers that my teenagers should be hanging around with? You know, and part of that as a parent is, is that you, you, you encourage and you point your, your, your teen to the truth, but then sometimes you have to intervene because they're still learning, because they don't know everything. Even though they tell you they do. Any teenagers in here, guess what? You don't know everything. And guess what? I don't either. But there is someone who does. And that's God himself. He is the standard. He is what we need to use as our guide as we seek to, to live rightly in a fallen world. So as we uh, finish out our time this morning, I, I want to give you three things 
that uh, I want you to, to grab hold of. And, and, and their basis is God. Because there's things that you need to remember about God when it comes to judging. Because it is a high responsibility to judge a situation. Because at that point, you're trying to take everything that you know personally from your upbringing, from everything that is a stimulus in your life, including everything as a believer in Jesus Christ that the Word of God has to, to say in relation to how we're supposed to live, and, and trying to come out with an outcome that honors God, that glorifies Him, no matter what the subject matter is. Because everything pertaining to life and godliness is in God's hands. No one lives of their own accord. Everyone lives because God graciously gives them life. So, point number one, as we remember who our God is in relation to being the judge, is that only God is holy, righteous, and just in all his ways. We can take a look at our judicial system. Guess what? It is not holy, righteous, and just in all its ways. We can take a look at law enforcement, and not every law enforcement individual is righteous and just in all their ways. Now, that does not mean that there is not a lot of good cops, because there is a lot of good cops, way more good cops. But the thing is, is that each and every one of us have a choice in relation to how we act to a situation. And yes, we live in a country where there is accountability, to some extent, that accountability has been lost in some ways and forms in the last few months. But that does not change who God is. And every lawless act, whether it is a law of the United States of America or it is the law of God, in his word, God will hold individuals accountable for. Because he is the judge. And he will judge righteously and justly. And he is the only one who will always do that without fail. Because there can even be corrupt judges. There can be corrupt bosses. There can be corrupt, you fill in the blank. See, when we look at this from a human standpoint, it's really hard for us to understand the concept of justice. Because we can look at our world today and say, well, that, that was not a just act. And we can look at it and say, how is it that that person got away with that? But again, we have to go back to what we know about God. Did they really get away with it? Well, from an earthly perspective, yes, they got away with it. If, if, if there wasn't someone there to keep them accountable to the law of the land. But that does not mean that God is not going to execute justice on each and every individual on this planet, from the beginning of time to the end of time, because he will, because he can do no less because he is righteous and just. In order for him to be the just judge, he has to keep every transgression held accountable. There is a price that is paid, and that's what's so glorious about Jesus Christ coming, because I stood guilty, I stood in rebellion before a holy God worthy of death, worthy of eternal separation from God in hell, experiencing the results and the judgment, the righteous and just judgment of my sin before him. And then there's Jesus, who offered himself as that once for all sacrifice, who gave himself 
so that I could live. To experience the wrath of God being removed, being paid for in full. My, my account is paid in full. My sins, past, present, and future are forgiven because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and, and my faith in his finished work. But see, as we take a look at this outside, you know, and, and pull in all of the human standpoints, all the human points of view, all the lenses through which people see things, the worldviews that they come up with and pr- try and process all of this, uh, this information, it's really hard to see justice happen when there's so many variables. There's so many things that are part of the equation that shouldn't be there. But the one constant that we go back to is the just judge. Psalm 89.14 reminds us, Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne, of God's throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. We never need worry about God acting righteously. We never need worry about God delivering justice because he can do no less, because it is the foundation of his throne. It is who God is. Psalm 19.9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules or judgments can be translated there. Of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The fear of the Lord is clean. See, when we're right with God, when we are in, in relation to God's law, holy, then we are clean. And the only way that happens is not by me coming up with some scheme in order to pull the wool over God's eyes. No, it is solely through the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ, his son. See, without God's righteousness and just justice being carried out, evil would win. Now, you may look at the world setting and say, evil's winning, Pastor Bill. Well, you know what? You're right. It does seem like that. Good people are being hurt. But the truth is, God has not ruled yet. And even if we cannot see the justice, no matter what the situation is, no matter who's hurt you, no matter what has been done, even if they get away with it from the, the, the courts of law of the land of, of whatever country, they cannot escape the judgment of God. Or only God is holy, righteous, and just in all his ways. Number two, only God knows and sees. And I appeal to a couple scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, where it says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Oh, wait a minute. There's someone who is an authority above me. There's someone who is an authority above everything because he is the creator God. And it says, no creature is hidden from his sight. No one. They're all naked and exposed to the eyes of of, uh, him to whom we must give an account. So guess what? If evil people doing evil things think that they can just think that there's not a God and think that they can hide from him, guess what? They can't. Because God will just... Uh, justly judge the situation and will hold them accountable because they will have to give an account to God as well. First John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. God also knows all. By this, 
We shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. See, when we go into a situation and begin to judge with only partial information or we take it for, for what it is on the surface and don't know all of the, the, the where-tos and, and, and everything involved with it, God does not operate that way. He knows everything. And so think about it. It's logical. As the just judge, as the, the righteous judge... How can he be righteous if he doesn't know everything? He can't. But God is righteous, so therefore he can. See, God knows why we do what we do. Jeremiah 17 says, or 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind uh, to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. God searches our hearts. He knows why we react instead of responding in in, in a thoughtful, loving way. It's easy to react. But see, God knows why we react. He knows why we say what we say. He knows why we do what we do. He actually tests our mind to, to be assured that he knows all that he needs to know because he does know everything. He even knows my thoughts before I think them. That's enough to blow your mind right there. But see, that's, that's how he's able to be the just judge. is because he does know all of it. And that's what we have to, to default to because sometimes we'll be in situations where we'll never see justice fulfilled. But remember, God will make all things right. And lastly, only God is the lawgiver and judge. And this takes us back to our study in the book of James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, where it says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against the brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Verse 12, There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, again, keeping it in relation to the context in James, but also the context of the word of God as a whole, James is not saying here that we are never to judge. What he is saying is that we are not to be the judge, capital J. And sometimes we can act in that capacity. When, when the, 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 the circumstances are right. And we have seen that executed throughout our country on any given day in the last six months. When people think it is their ability, their right to be the judge and to act accordingly. See, anyone who wrongly takes God's place as the judge will have to answer to him. Because there's only one lawgiver and judge. And all of time and all of eternity is not going to change that. God will do right by himself as the right, righteous and just judge of all. 
As we close in this this section of just verse 1, what I want you to take home is that Jesus is simply and authoritatively pointing out to the religious leaders of his day that they are not the final and all judges of the earth. Because that's how they were acting in relation to the people. They were looking down over their nose as those that were perfect. And everybody else around them was imperfect. And they were judging and assessing things that they were not given authority to do. Even things outside of the law of God. Things that they had made up on their own. And so as we think about judging and uh, rightly as believers in 2020, don't forget what we've talked about in relation to God. That only God is holy, righteous, and just in all his ways. Only God knows and sees all. Only God is the lawgiver and judge. We are not commanded to not judge, but we need to make sure that we judge rightly, to make sure that we are ourselves first prepared before we pass judgment on someone else because we are not righteous and just in all of our ways. Only God is. Let's close in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, thank you for this section in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It is hard, Lord, not to sometimes wrongly judge situations because we do so out of emotion. Um, sometimes we do it out of just not stopping for a moment to assess how we should respond. Lord, I pray for myself. I pray for each one of the believers here this morning as those that are listening online as well that we would remember that only you can judge and uh, judge things rightly. Lord, give us the ability to look at situations first and foremost in our own lives so that we don't have a log in our eyes before we go about looking to, Lord willing, out of love, point out things in other people's lives. Because when it's done out of love, it's for the purpose of reconciliation, for the purpose of not going down or in a direction that is dishonoring to you, but instead to honor you through all that we do each and every day. And this is something that each and every believer should welcome when it is done biblically so that we can sharpen one another. Because the reason that that, uh, iron is sharpening is because it's coming in contact with something else just as hard. And as you sharpen, there are small things that come off of that blade in order to make that blade sharp. There's things in our lives, Lord, that you need to remove, uh, things that are in our eyes that you need to take care of uh, before we can rightly be salt and light in the world. And Lord, I ask that you would do that in each one of our lives, each and every day, because it's a battle each and every day. And we do pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.